0: Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We are brought to you by Aurelio's Pizza. Aurelio's Pizza, it's the sauce. And I got some sauce for you today. I think Joe would be happy that both Joe Aurelio and Joe Madden would be happy that I'm telling you that it's the sauce. Because Joe loves cooking, and in fact, inside of this interview, he gives you a couple of his recipes of things that he's doing on the grill and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, Beyond being a World Series winning baseball manager, he's also a restaurateur, so he knows. He knows stuff. I'm super excited for you to hear this episode. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Joe Madden was a significant... Figure in my career, I guess technically is he's he's not gone anywhere. Super significant when the solo show launched in what was that twenty eighteen? When I did that solo show, we had the rights to the Cubs, and I was kind of surprised that the Cubs were okay with me doing the Joe Madden show. Subsequently, they've been totally okay with me doing the David Ross show, which I enjoy quite a bit. And real talk, that's why everyone there knows I'm a White Sox fan. Everyone, everyone knows that I'm a White Sox fan. And I thought it was cool that they were okay handing Joe over to me and saying, no, Lawrence can handle it. He's going to do good shows with, with Joe Madden. And I thought that we ended up doing great shows. Shout out to Tony Gill for helping me put together the format that we were going to use to talk with Joe and allowing me to go outside of, of my very sometimes serious interviewee self to allow me to have fun with Joe. The numbers that we would get on on those interviews, those shows, those Tuesdays at noon with Joe were huge. People tuned in. We made news. The beat writers were all listening to the show. And Joe and I would have a great time. I think that it allowed people to see me in a very different way than they had seen me before. And if there were issues... Like Joe and I didn't always agree. We were able to debate stuff occasionally, and I always felt like I came out of the conversation having a better understanding of how baseball works and how Joe works. He was always kind. He was always on time. And we had a great time, like a great, great time. I feel like we built a friendship on top of, of us having this like professional relationship, I would go and see Joe a few times a year at the ballpark. He would volunteer to come and hang out in studio, which he didn't have to do, but he did. And we had a, a really great time. I, I went to go see him when he took the job in Anaheim, and I, I, he was so happy. We could get into that inside of our conversation, which you'll hear in a second. But, you know, I, I, Joe's in my phone. You know what I mean? Like, I, I occasionally text Joe if I have questions about stuff. So I'm glad that he is out here living his life. He's got a new book out, which is the whole reason that we're doing, like, a long-form interview. It's called Book of Joe. I have the digital copy of it. I'm looking, waiting for my hard copy. It's really good. And as I said about David Ross's book, Teammate. If you want to get some insight into the man, the book is a good way to do it. Joe wrote the book with Tom Verducci, one of the most respected baseball people in our business. I think that you'll enjoy it. There's a ton about the building up of the World Championship Cubs team, but there's also a ton about Hazelton. You'll get an idea of what Joe's philosophies are. In some cases, I think he's a little bit misunderstood. He makes things fairly clear, though, inside of of this interview that the two of us did here about his relationship with front offices and when it comes to how do you use numbers and what's the most effective messaging tool to give to players when it comes to the numbers. It's really, really good. But I, I, I will always be grateful to Joe for what he did for the score and what he did for our radio show that we used to do. I think that we would have had success, but him giving his stamp of approval to it kind of launched us in a way that we weren't expecting to be launched. And, and it, I'm very grateful to him for being as, as gracious and as kind as he was and being interesting that's another thing. You never left a Joe a Tuesday with Joe without thinking. And he, knew, he understands the platforms that he's on. He gets it. And I truly appreciate that about him. I want you to listen to the interview. It's good. And yeah, I asked him about the White Sox job. And I thought that his answer was super interesting. But there's a lot in here, and and I think that you'll I think that you'll hear two guys that are fond of each other having a, a good baseball discussion and kind of catching up on life. This week on the House of L Podcast, my guy, Joe Madden.
1: Good, how you doing, buddy? Man, to hear your voice.
0: man, it's great to hear your voice too. When when I saw that you had the the book coming out, I was so excited because I we get the chance to chat again. Because you know how much I I love those opportunities to talk with you.
1: Well, same. Here. I told uh, the people with twelve. I said you got to get in touch with Lawrence. Tell them about what we had done for several years And how much I did enjoy all of that too So it's a mutual admiration society Buddy.
0: No, I love that man I love it. Alright well look I know that your time Is, is limited because you got all sorts of interviews To do. The book is fantastic I, I, I really have enjoyed Reading it and, and getting some of the Background on some of the stories that we've talked About for years. What made you Decide cool. that you wanted to, to do it In this form? Well
1: it was a, uh, you know, it's say uh, a lot of it had to do with Tom Berducci you know we uh, we got together right after I left the Cubs in 2019 and I said to him or asked him would you like to do a book and he said absolutely so because we had kind of like broached the subject in the past so then we're just talking about how to put it together what's the premise and the premise was going to be comparing and contrasting managing in the major leagues from 1980 to present time and then the madness we were having a hard time like you know trying to put this whole thing together there was so many different thoughts there that we decided and you saw it, the different chapters were laid out that way. And then uh, Tommy would take it and extrapolate and go on uh, per different saying. And uh, so it actually became easier once we decided on the format. And actually I thought also that it came together a lot better. Uh, It's kind of clean and it's interesting, I think. So combination of me just talking into a dictaphone for a hundred hours and then Tom taking it and applying his abilities, which are really outstanding.
0: I love the line, we're all plagiarists. It, it's such yeah. a good line, and it makes all the sense in the world. So when it comes to, to plagiarizing the best people, and maybe not even baseball, but the best people that you've been around, what are the things that you think that you've taken and added to?
1: Yourself. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, uh, we're, there's very little real original thought left in the world so in some way we we are shaped molded something in the back of your head mind uh, clicks and then all of a sudden uh, you go on a tangent maybe your next new epiphany and and what, what makes it yours is you uh, and and what you think and your uh, I don't want to use the word spin but your interpretation of all of that and then it becomes yours and then it, then you start to own it uh, whether it's try not to suck whether it's uh, don't permit the pressure to exceed the pleasure or other one um, the tell me what you think now what you've heard still one of my favorites too simple better so you, these are just thoughts that occur and then you have to apply you know your own personal philosophies <clears throat> and what got you there to the to the interpretation of that and that's that's really what it comes down to we all some way are plagiaristic but at the end of it when you apply your own
0: authenticity to it then it becomes your own you talk a lot about the struggle <laughs> it's it's ingrained inside of the book and there are tons of stories of your own personal struggle in a lot of different facets what are the things that you think can be gained from the struggle wow
1: um your ability to whether it's to compete uh to stick to it to not give up hope to realize that or as bad as it seems to be the answer may just show up the next day it just and then within the next hour, things change. In baseball, I always preach the power of 24 hours to the players after a horrible day. And even in a good day or a bad day, like I've had the 30-minute rule, you win hard for 30 minutes and move on, and you lose for 30 minutes hard and then move on. Um, I just think it's always about turning the page. And if you're unable to do that and you get caught in this, these desperate thoughts and you just don't see any way out, uh, then it becomes difficult. And then then. Re- might require some help from outside sources, but I think if you could really trust your instincts, uh, understand that uh, it's going to get better. You have to believe in yourself. Absolutely. You have to believe in what you're doing. And you have to have some vision and, um, and a method to attack whatever it is that you want. And with that, it becomes interesting and, and, and fun. And you should have, in spite of how tough it could be sometimes, you look back at it, you really are having a lot of fun doing it. Um, And then once you arrive, then the trick is to stay there. But I've always
0: believed uh, the motivation lies within the struggle. How did you get comfortable with going from the the guy and the stories about Babalu? Like, I I love reading those stories. But going from the guy that felt like, you know, I deserve this or I'm entitled to this, to him changing your perspective and now you being a guy that young guys or young coaches will go to to help change their perspective
1: yeah Babalu, um it's just too bad uh, He's not around so people could really understand uh, yeah I, this guy was a Louis Lemur fan <laughs> he was uh, he was as, as tough as the bottom of a of a boot um, Bobaloo just never minced words and uh, he he just told you the truth um, and that's what he did with me and and when he told me uh, you don't want that job anyway I was that looked at me, Are you nuts? I don't want that job. No, you don't want that job anyway because you're not gonna be happy in that job. And then he explained to me why. Uh, it's great to have truth tellers in your life. It's great to have, uh, because we do, we get caught in the emotion. Uh, we do get caught in our own hubris. We think, you know, this is, how could it not be me? Right. You know, and uh, Alou, uh <laughs> if you don't wanna hear the answer, don't ask the question brother, because it's not always gonna be what you wanna hear. And to this day, I love those people. I love uh, when people call BS on you. I love when uh, uh, it just—it just, they tell you exactly what they're thinking. And I think in order to be really successful, you need those people in your life.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun—yeah, you get it every time.
1: And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with
0: any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. The last time that I saw you face to face was out in Arizona at spring training at the Angels facility. And, and I remember walking away like I, you were super gracious with your time. It was great to just reconnect and talk. And you looked as happy as I had seen you in a little while out there. So how did we go from there to you no longer being the manager of the Angels? It happened abruptly, um, you know, 2020, was that 2020 that you saw in Yeah, that was, it was right before the world changed. Okay,
1: right. That's what I thought. I remember you uh, among the group there uh that's just a tough year 2020 just getting your feet on the ground in 2021 we actually did well in spite of a lot of adversity we uh won 77 games with a lot of uh stuff going on Uh, so i was kind of pleased with the progress and i really liked a lot i like a lot of the young players out there i mean i I thought it connected well with the whole group you could talk about the superstars but there's some really interesting guys there among the rest of the group and then this year we got up to the best start the angels have had in a long time and then Kind of like this uh, imperfect storm occurred where uh, Mikey and, and Shohei had a hard time hitting and the bullpen really kind of imploded the pitching wasn't the same. And all of a sudden we lost 12 games in a row. I think I'd lost something like that at some point or something close to it in the past. But um, it just seemed like the world came crashing down on the Angels after such a great start and the concern, the mantra was, we can't, we can't mess up or lose the momentum of this great start. Of course, I know that. But that was it. I mean, it just a, a lot of uh, things conspired simultaneously because I really, uh, and I still like Terry, uh, Perry uh, Menagee, and I, I like Perry. I think Perry's going to do a great job there. I do. He's got a lot of energy. He's got a great scout's mind, but he felt like he had to do something. So he came to my house and I thought he was going to possibly let some of the coaches go, which I was really grateful that it was me and not them. So uh, that's it. That's it. It was just, it happened very quickly. I did not see it coming. Um, of course, I was upset and I was upset because I went back there. I didn't even interview with other teams because I can, my concerns, I'm not a mercenary. I was going back to the Angels. I was there to bring us to our past glories and I knew exactly how it worked out there. So, not getting that opportunity was, was the most difficult um, to reconnect with the alumni which I had already started to do. And then like you said the pandemic kind of got away, but was going to get back to that. Um, there was so much going on there, so much history, and a, and a method of play that we established in the 80s, 90s, and eventually culminated in the World Series. That's what I wanted to do, and, and I just didn't have the opportunity.
0: You're a man that has a lot of different interests, but you, you've loved baseball for forever. So I got to ask you the question, Joe, do you still want to manage? I do, uh, and and I do,
1: but it's going to take the right uh, set of circumstances with the right people. And you know, it's kind of weird. Like I'm saying that, like I'm, 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 I'm not begging for a job. I want a job, but I, um, I'm actually interviewing through all these different interviews that I'm doing right now. And actually, the books an interview, I believe. So um, uh, people know exactly where I stand. Uh, They all know me. uh, They being a lot of the people that are running different organizations, and uh, I have a lot of respect. For, for all of them I just there's a couple though that I really would uh, appreciate working with again if give them that opportunity so it's a it's kind of like. A, you have to connect all the dots and uh, everything's got to come together appropriately for me to get this opportunity, I believe it's out there. Um, like to believe it's going to happen uh, going into the next season, if it takes longer than that I think i'll be all right with that. In the meantime, like you said, brother, I have been golfing, gardening, and grilling. My golf game's gotten better. <laughs> My lawn looks great. And I know how to do a really, really good New York strip to perfection. So uh, a lot of good has come of it. And pizza. Pizza on the Weber Grill. Unbelievable. And the magic secret ingredient is lime-infused olive oil.
0: Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, so, so give, me, give me some tips for the steak. Well, what do I got to do to get the steak right? You have to have a probe, obviously. I, I
1: really like to season it heavily, like the Montreal seasoning. Even the Weber grill seasoning is outstanding. Um, you make sure it gets done at room temperature. I put it in like in a tin uh, dish there, and I pour a lot of, uh, not a lot, but I put the, again, lime-infused olive oil on it, and I put all this other stuff Let it, sit a little bit. The big thing is to get your heat up good over 500, and you've got to put a probe in there. You've got to know your timing. I like to sear it first, and I like to have it cook in directly after that what i've learned is take it off right around 130 if you want it when it hits 130 internally if you want it to really um not overcook what you don't want it to do and these are two and a half inch new york strippers and you and when you do that man even less than that take them off at 127 126 28 and then you're going to leave it just sit there for about five minutes the probes in it you get to that temperature
0: i'm telling you brother it is it is outstanding See, that's a good tip right there that, that, that a lot of people who will hear this will use and, and they will thank you for, for that tip. You talked about having like the right situation. What, do you, what situation do you think would work for you at this point in your career?
1: Uh, uh, I'm just looking for, uh, uh, how shall I say, uh, teamwork. Um, the, I'm looking for um, analytics to be analytics and not baseball. I'm looking for analytics to serve baseball and not the other way around. I want the best analytical team in all of baseball, but I want them to answer to coaches and not coaches answer to people upstairs crunching numbers. I think there's a great misconception that analytics is the at the core of the success of a lot of teams. The players are at the core of the success of a lot of teams. And how you acquire them, to me, is, the, is where analytics really shines, i.e. the Dodgers. Andrew's done a great job of acquisition of players and a lot of the guys, and nobody's ever heard of but all of a sudden get out there and do a great job just like we had done in Tampa Bay. So uh, I really believe that um, I I want the, the great analytical team. I want coaches to be coaches. Again, I want to be able to manage the game without interference. I don't want people in my office uh, before the game up to an hour, hour and a half before the game. Don't want it. Don't need it. Um, That's, that's where I'm at. I, there's so much, uh, there's so many people that, Want to try to impact the game when it's not necessary. It's impact the game from a front office pers- perspective, for me, it's the acquisition of good players. That's what really it comes down to, and uh, analytics should acquire the player that you're looking for. Don't count on analytics. to Create the player that you're
0: looking for. What's the best way for you, whether it was with Tampa or with the Cubs or even with Anaheim, to marry the subjective and the objective of of using the numbers to make you a more effective manager?
1: Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's pretty simple, actually. Again, it's just uh, you have to have the right person or people in charge that have the same philosophy where, yeah, we want all this information, we want all these numbers. And, yeah, when the player is struggling sometimes, analytics can be very helpful in regarding pointing out Pitch selection as an example, and what's going on right now, the overabundance of breaking balls in in the postseason compared to fastballs. Tommy Raducci and I have a uh, podcast, and we talked about it yesterday on that podcast. To me, some of it's just the fact that pitchers don't command their fastball as well as they command their breaking ball in the short series like that. they got to get on the pitch that is going to get um, a called strike because it starts out as a ball and becomes a strike, or gets a swing because it becomes a strike. It starts out as a strike and becomes a ball. I've asked I've asked uh, analytic people when a pitcher of mine might be struggling, do you notice something different with his release point as an example? Or like I'm saying, pitch mix. Have you noticed something off with that? Is he is he throwing something too often? Is his four seam two seamer getting crushed and he doesn't want to use his four seamer because it appears to be straight out of his hand? And you think the hitter has a better look at it. So these these are the areas where analytics helps. So it's not It's it's like it's a form. It's another level of coaching, and I want that. But once the information has been acquired, then it's given to the coach, who then takes it to the player in the bullpen, and the batting practice situation on defense, wherever it might be. Um, That's that's the pecking order I'd like to see, and I don't like the idea that people is the 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 clubhouse is becoming infiltrated, inundated with presenters. And meetings are for presenters, conversations are for teachers.
0: How do you go about taking, and I know it's individual, case by case with most players, but how do you take like information that you're getting on a pitch mix, for example, or where a guy's hot zone is, and present it to the player in a way that's going to make it digestible? It, it, it's in small doses, it's very small. To think that
1: you could present a dissertation um, and have it impact the player. Uh, it's not true. There's, uh, you know, a lot of say the Latin kids, it's it's very difficult because they're not used to digesting all this stuff. And for that matter, I mean, a lot of guys that I've known from the United States that just don't want or need that much, just give me a nugget. What happens, uh, you know, whenever a relief pitcher comes in a game, everybody gathers around the iPad now, or talk to the hitting coach about what does this guy have? What does he do right here? Enough. That's that's all that's needed right there. It's as opposed to this 20-minute uh, meeting uh, before the uh, game begins, or everybody gets together on a daily basis. That can become obtrusive, and it just it kind of wears you out mentally. So it's about nuggets. It's it's to know how to distribute your information. It's not to try to show everybody all that you know. It's trying to reduce your information to the point where it can be utilized. When things get hot, brother. It, you're not out there like going through this litany of what was said to you before the game. You need one thought, one thing that gets you right in that moment that permits you to do what you do best and not try to avoid what the hitter does best. What do you think that you still have to give the game? Well, just I, I hope that a lot of the things I'm just talking about right now, I think there's a lot of energy left. I think um, uh, there is the potential to help, uh, re-elicit, re, re-elicit, or re, not reinvent, but to bring back more of the tried and true methods of the past and, and, and um, uh, morph them into what's going on to the present, which I think I've done for a long time anyway. Um, I, I wanna believe that I, I, managers need to be managers again and not middle managers. And I think that's part of where the interest lies or not lies, because if you're a middle manager, you're not gonna take risks, you're not gonna try things because if they don't go right, you have a lot of people to answer to. When you're a manager, you don't feel that same way. Whereas you're, if you see something, it's something that you know, something that's from your past, something that you think is going to work right here, you'll take that opportunity. You're not worried about making it out on the base right here because everything indicates it's the right time to take a chance and run your guy or hit and run. Different things that if it fails, you're not going to get called on the carpet about after the game, which then leads to the player hearing the same thing, which then leads to a more defensive method of playing the game. So uh, I hope that makes sense. But It's just a matter of not just me. I just like to see managers manage the game and not middle managers carry on the the wishes of front offices.
0: All right. I have to ask this next question selfishly, Joe. Um, As a a White Sox fan, they have a managerial opening. I'm (laughs) just wondering, would you be open to talking to the White Sox?
1: Like I said, I'm open to talking to anybody, Lawrence, Honestly, um, uh, that I, I I do I don't reach out. I have an agent that does that to different groups, and um, right now I have not been contacted by anybody, and I'm okay with that. I, I was waiting for the season to conclude, and I thought maybe at this point you might hear from some folks, and it still may be that way. But my biggest thing is just like I said earlier, I want all this stuff out there now. I don't want to interview under false pretenses i don't want to um even think about working someplace where again i have to be viewed as a middle manager where you ha- you're worried about worried is the right word what the what the front office is going to be thinking about it and, and how you have to really guard against uh, doing certain things because it's going to draw ire quite frankly so it really comes down to that and uh, i don't like that method i never worked under that until more recently and uh uh, even with the Cubs, I you mean, know, the last year I, I talked about that in the book, too, with, with uh, Theo, it got different. And at that point there, uh, I didn't feel like I could be myself as a manager. And if you can't feel that way, if you can't feel that authenticity, it's really difficult to do that job.
0: Joe, I really appreciate your time and your friendship. Uh, good luck with this book. I loved it. And if if you're listening to the sound of my voice, go get the book of Joe. You will learn baseball. And I think there's a lot of great tools, even outside of baseball, for people to enjoy.
1: Lawrence, thank you. It's always a pleasure working with you. And it's also wonderful to hear
0: your voice again, too. And best to your family. Same to you, Joe. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. You take care. Bye. So, look, I don't think Joe's mincing words here. I think that he's telling you the type of job that he wants has a lot more control than what a lot of managerial jobs in 2022 look like. I don't think I don't think that he's impossible to work with. I don't think that he doesn't want numbers and he he explained in there how he feels you can use numbers more effectively. His issue is who are the Who's delivering the message and he wants to be trusted with when it comes to dealing with the players, he wants to be the messenger. I get that when we were talking about the a little clip that I brought to the Score Airwaves, I was talking with Mike Rankin and Layla and Ray about this for the white sox I don't think that I don't think that he would be a candidate for them, but I do think he could make it work. The problem is, are the White Sox in a position where they want someone to make it work, or do they want a manager that's a little bit more tethered to the front office? I don't know the answer to that question, but it's something that I was thinking about. But I I honestly could see him and Rick Hahn making it work. And him and Kenny, for sure. Because they both have that football background. You know, Joe's got a football background. Kenny's got that football background. I think they could both make that work. But alas, you know, we'll see. We'll see where things stand. But I really enjoy talking to him, and I really think you should pick up his book. The book is called Book of Joe. It's got all the Joeisms in there. You can get an idea of where they came from or where he stole them from because he talks about all of us are plagiarists and he's right about that. To a certain degree, we all are plagiarists. It's just a matter of do we give credit to the people and then do we build on what it is that we know or learn or took from other people. I still think that the man has a lot to give the game. I think he's... I think that he could also, if he wanted to, make a, a career as an analyst where if he were out here working for ESPN or MLB Network or Turner, he'd be so interesting. He tells stories. He's got great stories from you know f- five decades in baseball. I think he still has a lot to give the game. And I also think you should pick up his book. The book is called Book of Joe. And I hope that you enjoyed the the episode. I enjoyed bringing it to you. That's legit. Like, Joe Madden is one of my guys. And I'm, I've been open and transparent about that. That is one of my dudes. So I want him to succeed, and I want him to be happy. Wait, I'm trying to think of a good Maddenism to wrap up this. I'm going to try not to suck. But, all, you know, that's really Javi Baez's thing, right? We're all plagiarists. Um, don't let the the pressure exceed the pleasure. I love that one. That's a good one. Respect 90. Uh, what else could I give you? Um, I already threw out try not to suck. Do simple better. See? You like all of that. I'll talk to you next time. Peace.